Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Badgers' 61-48 to road victory over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Not, we're not going to describe it as a pretty win, but a win on the road in this conference, no matter who it's against, even if it's you know a, a team that's really uh, down towards the bottoms in terms of the standings and, and overall play in the Big Ten. It's still a win. It's still a road victory. It wasn't pretty, but we'll talk about all aspects of that uh, and as, talk about what needs to change before the Badgers have their next contest. They're scheduled to take on the Michigan Wolverines this weekend. Last time out, the Badgers did not play well. Really, that game was over before it started. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of that, hoping that uh, the Badgers and Wolverines have a date this Saturday on Valentine's Day. After that, we'll get into some football talk. There's been some activity for Wisconsin on the recruiting front, throwing out some offers. They added a preferred walk-on to this class of 2021. Um, Wisconsin's also got some transfer news that they're um, being hit with, so we'll, we'll, that'll transition us nicely into our position preview and review to end things uh, for the week. So still a nice balanced show of basketball and football. So Matt, how are you this morning? Doing great. Yeah, it's a, it's a quick turnaround. We're recording this on... Thursday morning, and that Badger game seems like it just got done minutes ago, um, but it, I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? Yeah, it was kind of a, a weird start time, that 8.30 start time, um, if you were up late watching that, and then you know the Bucks were also on late into the night, so you may have stayed up and even a little bit later, so might have been a, you know, on the, on the Keurig, I made sure I made the big coffee this morning as we get ready to record to try and wake up a little bit because it was a little bit of a late night, odd start time. But uh, with COVID, you know, these schedules are getting adjusted, um, you know, a couple days before and you just got to work with it. And thankfully for for us, as we talk about that, like I said in the beginning, not a pretty win, but a win nonetheless. So what did you make of, of that game overall for the Badgers? Like I said, it was it was ugly, but uh, they came away from, from Lincoln with a W. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a gritty performance. They just tried to get through it. Um, the shooting was, was not great for the Badgers. There was some, still some defensive lapses. But overall, you saw the bench come alive to help them out majorly, which I think was, was really helpful. Uh, you saw them kind of write some of the things that were going on in the, in the beginning of the game where Nebraska took an early lead. Wisconsin was able to kind of chip away at that and, and show some resiliency. And, and then in the second half, they, they just, you know, imposed their will, took care of the game. Um, and, and really never looked back. Um, they got it up to as, as big of a lead as 16 at one point, uh, almost uh, with like five minutes left in the second half, and, and the game was over. So um, it was it was definitely not the uh, the prettiest game by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, you look at it on the road in the Big Ten, you just got to take your wins when you can get them. Yeah, exactly. You anytime you're picking up a road win in this conference is a big one. Um, I know, you know, last year I thought, uh, you know, coming into this game, you, you, there was a lot of talk about the shooting woes, you know, in the write-up 
of the the media presser with Brad Davis and Micah Potter yesterday, pretty much the entire conversation was about um, the shooting struggles, and we'll talk about that a little bit more here. But at the end of the day, you know, you can afford to to, to struggle a little bit on the offensive end and and have some things that don't quite click when you're taking on a team like Nebraska. Um, they've they've been a team that has really struggled this year. Um, just just not a lot of talent. They struggled on, on their end of the ball as well in terms of turnovers. So Wisconsin was able to take advantage of that. And you know they didn't necessarily put everything together. You know it wasn't that perfect dominating performance that you're kind of waiting for this Badger team um, to have. It seems like a, a while now where Wisconsin's really put the clamps on someone from from minute one to the end of the game that way. So. I'm I'm interested to see what Wisconsin can do over this next stretch run of, of tough games to see if they can maybe come out and, and pull off some of these upsets. But at the end of the day, um, a win against Nebraska, while it wasn't wasn't the most beautiful and, and wasn't the the best game and something you want to see, it was still a win. And 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 they've cleaned some things up. I mean, we'll talk about it on the defensive end a little bit. They were a little better, uh, you know, making Nebraska make mistakes, limiting their mistakes. So it was by no means a perfect game, but it's it's not something where you want to be overcritical about this team and about this game because a win is a win and uh, for them to pick one up and, and improve on some things is important and and you can afford to, to maybe struggle a little bit in certain areas against uh, you know an inferior team like the Cornhuskers. Yeah I mean this this was a clunker. Badgers were able to kind of take care of business and, and get out of there with a W and, and that's really all that you can take from this game. The offensive struggles are still there. Um, you know they shot 32 percent from the floor uh, three-point arc well, wasn't their friend once again. Uh, you know they, they shot a season-high 32 three-pointers. They had a whopping 19 of them in the first half alone. Um, so this this team is still doing some some soul searching, trying to figure out their best recipe on offense. In the second half, they made it an effort to go inside because of how you know how many misses they were having from three in the first half, and then they just couldn't make layups. So it was just it was one of those scenarios where you're trying everything and nothing seems to be working for you on the offensive end. Um, luckily for them, Nebraska had a, a whole crap ton of turnovers to, to help them out, 17 in the game, and Wisconsin was able to take advantage with 15 points off of those turnovers. So that's really the difference in this game in a lot of ways because Wisconsin was able to get so many more, so many extra opportunities, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was – ultimately what helped them secure the W. Yeah, and, and to focus in on the offensive stuff a little bit here, of course we've, we've talked about it. It wasn't pretty, but they struggled to, struggled to shoot from the floor. You, you mentioned the three-point struggles, which is probably the bigger telling story, which it seems like I think the last four games they're probably shooting an average around 25% from beyond the arc. It's, it's not the shots just aren't falling. At home it's a different story, but it seems like on the road every time out um, this team is really struggling to, to knock down baskets, which – when you look at last year at Nebraska, they set a, a road record for three pointers made. So it's been a it's been a weird year for this team shooting the basketball. But I think one of the takeaways on the offensive end, despite the struggles, was also the you know almost the lack of aggressiveness. Where it seemed like last night, especially in the first half, early in the game, that these guys they were just happy with kind of passing it around and, and not being aggressive to to seek out a shot. And and some of that resulted in you know late. You know that we've talked about it time and time again with this team. Some of these guys are such shooters that a, a open shot within the offense is a good one, but sometimes it resulted in you know late dribbling around, throwing up a shot at the end of a shot clock. So, what did you make of the offensive end in terms of you know takeaways and and what maybe led to some of those uh, shooting struggles in your eyes? 
Yeah, I think you're right. There's just It was so stagnant at times, especially in the first half, where they were just passing it around the horn, not doing a whole lot, um, not probing inside, not trying to get the ball, not trying to get post touches. There was a span of like six straight possessions where they didn't do anything inside the three-point arc or even touch the paint. Um, and, and that's not how you play basketball. That's, that's not going to win you games uh, when you're struggling from shooting deep from deep. So I think Wisconsin needs to get back to basics, be able to, to get those post touches, especially there. I mean, there was times when Nebraska went into zone and Wisconsin still didn't try to get the ball inside to, to allow them to kind of work inside out, get some open threes. Um, like if you're going to just double down and, and shoot 33s a game, that's fine. But you need to be able to to get some ball movement so that those three three attempts are open instead of okay, well I've got to take one dribble and then jack it up because there's three seconds left on the shot clock and I don't have time to pass it now. So I think that's the biggest thing is is just some better ball movement, some some more flow in the offense. You just saw too many times where they got bogged down and and were stagnant, and instead it was just hey, hot potato, pass it around, see okay, well. We didn't actually swing the ball around to the other side of the court. We just kept it on the on the right side, and now it's time that we got to shoot. Yeah, yeah, and part of that is you, know, you talk about the post touches as well. Part of it is also that we last episode we kind of talked about Wisconsin not having a a guy that can can really attack off off the dribble and and get some penetration and then kick out to those. So it's kind of a mixed bag of of just not getting the ball inside, but also you know not being able to take someone off the dribble and and create plays. Uh, the way you you want to. So this offense is certainly working through some stuff. I would I would have to imagine at some point these shots are going to start falling. I mean, there's going to be one of these games over this last you know stretch against ranked teams where Wisconsin is going to come out and and I think just knock down three after three after three. I mean, they are certainly due for that. Um, but until then, it's going to need to be a team effort to to kind of figure out what they need to do offensively to. Um, if you're not going to start knocking down those threes, you know, what are they going to do in terms of getting the ball in the post, you know, making something happen off the dribble, taking a little bit more two-pointers to, to find some things offensively? Because like I said earlier, you can afford to make some of these, um, not quote-unquote mistakes, just miss baskets and poor shooting nights against Nebraska. But when you're taking on Michigan, Iowa, Illinois over these next few weeks, you're not going to be able to afford to have, you know, some of these shooting woes that they've had. Yeah, and and you look at it, Wisconsin shot, like I mentioned, 19 three-pointers in the first half, and and that's a number that's okay, especially if, if you're hitting from there. But at the same time, you look at their win-loss splits when, and, and how many three-pointers they're shooting. That when they shoot less than 19 three-pointers for the game, they're 5-0. and So that's, that should tell you that, hey, this team isn't necessarily built to be a three three-point shooting, you know, team and that they shouldn't be predicating their entire offense off of it. it. It's more about trying to get in the flow of their damn offense. And I know we continue to say that. And um, I, you, you mentioned eventually he's got to fall in, in Sunday at three or at noon against Michigan would, would be a nice time to start awakening that. Yeah, that would be certainly ideal. And, and before we get into the Michigan game, we'll preview that a little bit since uh, last time out, that game was, was not pretty, but to wrap up this Nebraska game, you know, despite the offensive struggles, the defense, I think, was was much better and, and really did a good job of forcing them to create turnovers, but also, on you know, to go off the offensive end a little bit. Wisconsin was much better taking care of the basketball. So anything else stand out to you defensively, or it was just kind of taking advantage of Nebraska's, you know, sloppy play with the basketball and, and forcing them into some mistakes? 
Yeah, I think you, you saw Nebraska show their youth, have some really poor passes, um, and Wisconsin took advantage of that. But that early stretch in the game, it was probably the first 10 minutes, there was some definite defensive lapses that were happening with 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 the Wisconsin defense. They tightened things up a little bit. It got a little, a little bit better. Um, but, but I think really you, – you mentioned it. it. It was the turnovers that really helped them out. I know some of those were, were because of what Wisconsin was doing on the defensive end, but a lot of it was just because of miscues on Nebraska's side of the ball. So I think Wisconsin did a better job defensively in this game. You didn't see the the long stretches where Nebraska was able to just get a basket at will. Um, for the game, Nebraska went ahead and, and only shot 36%. So that, w- that was great. Wisconsin was in an okay spot. But Wisconsin um, lucked out by the turnovers as well as Nebraska making 7 of 17 from the free throw line. Yeah, that was a nice uh, nice little gift there as well. It seems like kind of across college basketball there's been some teams, you know, you expect to, to struggle from, three, or from the free throw line, and, and Nebraska certainly had that last night. It seems like the attention to making your free throws has kind of been a lost art for some teams across the country. Thankfully, Wisconsin hasn't been bitten by it too bad. Um, but uh, Nebraska certainly felt the pain of that. Not sure how much it would have made a difference, but it certainly would have tightened that game up a little bit if they were able to take advantage of, of hanging on to the basketball and, and putting together um, some free throws. The, the, the little things in this game can, can really make a big difference, um, especially in this conference and when you're playing a quality opponent you know, time in and time out. So defensively, I, I liked what the Badgers did in terms of taking advantage of that youth. Um, I don't know how much you can really read into it because, like we've said time and time again, this Nebraska team is not very good. Um, they've, they've struggled throughout the year. It's not like Wisconsin did anything that uh, you know that you haven't seen uh, against in Nebraska games. They've played some games a little bit better and a little bit tighter, but for the most part they've been a team that struggled. So it was nice for the Badgers to take advantage of it, but I'm more interested to see if that can kind of continue. Wisconsin can, can hopefully – lull a team like Michigan into some mistakes and, and see if they could take advantage of that. And hopefully, again, those shots start falling uh, when they take on the Wolverines this weekend. So speaking of that, with Michigan, I know they've been on a COVID pause. So this game is, is I think, going to be played. It sounds like they are trending in that direction, but there's always that chance. If they do play, what do you think needs to happen this time out? Because I believe the last time out was 77-54. to Michigan made... It seemed like every shot, the game was over within probably the first seven minutes on the clock. Wisconsin struggled to make anything. So hopefully there's some regression to the mean. You know, Michigan will come in not playing basketball in a while with this COVID pause. So maybe that plays into Wisconsin's hand a little bit. They might have a little rust on them. But what do you make of of this this big weekend contest against the Wolverines? Yeah, it's big. I mean, Wisconsin let that game snowball on them, and Michigan was able to get that lead all the way up to 32 points uh, shortly into the second half. So I think you look at the game, Michigan had a really balanced attack. You know, they had Wagner with 15 points, Mike Smith with 16, Isaiah Livers was all over the court uh, on them. I'm a little worried about Hunter Dickinson. He's he's their their top player. He's been one of the best players in the Big Ten all year long. Seven footer. We saw Wisconsin struggle against Kofi Coburn. Um, I, I think the matchup with Hunter Dickerson is going to be really important for the Wisconsin Bigs because for a team coming off of a pause, they're probably not going to be nearly as sharp from you know from deep shooting 
um, shooting jump shots. So they're going to probably try to go inside and, and take advantage of what has been a weakness for this Wisconsin team. Wisconsin needs to be able to do some better things on defense because Michigan, I mean, they, they scored out of their minds. And that was, that was one of those games where Wisconsin will want to forget they shot 51% from, from, for the game. And they went on that like crazy 41-6 run at one point. It's, it's now going to be about bringing the energy. And then on the offensive end, I, I think the big thing is Michigan blocked like 10 shots in that game. I think it was nine. Um, and in those early blocks completely made it so Wisconsin, you know, almost came afraid to go inside on Hunter Dickinson, on going inside on Michigan in general. And Wisconsin needs to continue to still get post touches, needs to con- continue to try to get the ball down low so that they can move the ball inside out. It's going to be at home, so it's a completely different environment. Uh, Wisconsin needs to bring energy, and Michigan brought energy last time and completely blew them out the, ga- out the game right away. Wisconsin needs to come out. They need to have energy play on both ends of the court and, and play their best game of this season so far. Yeah, you mentioned energy on both ends of the floor. I think that's, you know, I I feel like a broken record saying it, but this team just has not put together a a full game in in quite a long time, where if there was a time to do it, looking at the schedule, you know, now is is the time to do it. I mean, Michigan is a team, again, like you said, coming in, probably not going to be as sharp. You know, they haven't played basketball, you know, a competitive game in, in, in quite a while with this COVID pause. You don't know how much they've been able to even practice with one another. There's been all sorts of struggles for them on that end. So, well, it's a crappy situation for Michigan, and you're hoping that they, you know, come out of this and, and are able to continue on with their season and, and play the way they had before. It's a it's a spot for Wisconsin at home to to take advantage and, and maybe knock off a top team in this game, you know, and try and get a little bit of a revenge spot from what the, that first contest was. Because while the score was ugly. It just seemed like, uh, like you said, snowballed in the first game and, and really got away from them and maybe it made it look worse than it was. So I'd love for Wisconsin to come out. They're going to be at home. You know, the last time they were at home, they shot well against Penn State. The three-point ball has fallen. I'd love for them to come in and, and put that together. You mentioned Hunter Dickerson. That's going to be a, a big challenge. Hopefully you can get some of that um, defense against him You know, corrected because if you can get him uh, you know, them playing well against him. You've got Luca Garza coming up. You've got Kofi Coburn once again. So you're going to have to get your defensive play with the bigs um, to be pretty strong through this stretch. So that would be a nice start. So really just, I think, putting together a complete game or it's close to and not having some of these, you know, bad shooting nights mixed with turnovers, mixed with defensively just lapses. If they could just put together a good, clean game, I think they should probably be able to come out and win this game because Michigan, again, has, has been off for so long. Wisconsin's going to be at home. They've got the advantages. Now it's time to just take advantage of those and, and really put it together and, and come away with a what would be a huge win if they were able to pick one up. Oh, yeah, it would be monumental. It would give them a nice shot in the arm, and hopefully they can make it happen because this is this is a, a big game for them, especially when you consider this final stretch that you mentioned. This, you got to string together a couple wins here. you got to find victories in this uh, tough grind at some point. I think you, you like where you're at with that Northwestern game, um, but that's still on the road, and you've got like, some home games here back-to-back. If they can split these, I mean, if they can win both of them, look out. I think that would be huge for their um, seeding purposes in not only the conference tournament but in the NCAA tournament. So I think you look at their schedule, and these are the type of games that, you know, you don't get 
opportunities to, to take on a top five team who hasn't been able to practice, is missing some some key pieces, some things like that, very often they got to take advantage on, on Sunday. Yeah, it should be a fun game. Uh, noon Sunday, uh, CBS, a uh, nice top 25 matchup for Wisconsin. I know it'd be, this would be the type of game where you'd love to see the Cole Center rocking. Um, you know, those early games uh, on the weekends for Wisconsin always seem to be uh, a nice magic spot where they can pull off the upset, and hopefully they can continue that despite not having uh, fans in the stands at the Cole Center this Sunday. So, all right, that wraps up our basketball talk, guys. Stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into some football discussion. All right, so time to talk some football. Wisconsin's been active over the last few days. Um, they've picked up a preferred walk-on. They've been throwing out some offers in this class of 2022, some exciting stuff, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into some uh, position preview and review. Um, this time we'll be on the offensive side of the ball talking about tight ends today. Um, we finished up the defensive episodes last episode, so make sure to check those out if you haven't already. But before we start, Badgers pick up a third walk-on from Garrison Soliday out of St. Thomas Academy in Minnesota. Kind of a guy that is right now you know, maybe a hybrid. Could be a guy that has his hand down in the dirt as a defensive end or defensive lineman. Maybe a guy that um, is somewhere in the linebacking room. Probably more of a project. Kind of want to see where he works out in terms of size um, and strength that way. But he brings in some tools. He, he's got a, I know I've read up a, an article, got a high motor on him which is something that Wisconsin does well with. So what did you make of that pickup for the 2021 class? Yeah, kid can hit, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, he's a little under, undersized at like 6'1", 220, which is, is big for that inside linebacker position coming out of high school, but then, um, you know, a little small for playing defensive end at the D1 level, which is what he played in high school. So he, he's a he's a two-time, you know, all-metro-type all kid from – a, a tough area in the Twin Cities uh, to to find a to find a niche. And you look at it though, he put up really good numbers this past season with 56 tackles, 16 for loss, and seven sacks. So it's it's not a matter of him being able to to um, you know impact the game. It's going to be a matter of him adjusting to everything at the, the collegiate level. He's a kid, a great kid to take a flyer on. We've seen Wisconsin do really well at this. Um, They've already talked to him a little bit, it sounds like, about the potential of playing full fullback, which I think would make a ton of sense, mm -hmm. given the fact that Wisconsin has two scholarship fullbacks and nobody else right now. I would anticipate there's going to be some movement this spring to maybe shift one of your uh, either scholarship guys to also shift there or one of your walk-ons, which I think is more likely, uh, to, to kind of bolster that room. But if he was coming in at that position, I think that helps a lot. And because of how hard he hits, you know, you look at his size at 6'1", 220, I think he, he's a, a good fit as a fullback if, if that's where they end up putting him. But either way, inside linebacker, fullback, he's the type of guy you take a flyer on because you never know how some of these preferred walk-ons can, can turn out, especially if he has shown production and tenacity in, in his film. Yeah, it, it's a it's kind of a win-win for Wisconsin. You can you can take a chance with that. You're not like you know it's not like a risk where you're tying up a scholarship and you're not quite sure. This is a guy that's going to come in and and I'm certain will be hungry to to prove himself, whether it be at that fullback position, whether it be somewhere on the defensive side of the football. You know, Wisconsin has a track record of of doing really well with walk-ons. They've there's been books written about it. There's been all sorts of things talked about. Um, the success of Wisconsin uh, with, with walk-ons that way. So this is a nice opportunity for Wisconsin to 
uh, find a guy that uh, has played some quality football at the high school level and, and can hopefully turn into another solid player and keep that track record going. So uh, a nice, I think, add to that 2021 class that is seeming to, to work itself out and, and kind of flush out to finally be um, complete with, with maybe the last couple members over this last week or so. Uh, speaking of, of members of the Wisconsin football team, Wisconsin is busy on that 2022 recruiting trail as well as 2021 kind of wraps up. They've been throwing out offers to defensive end Anthony Lucas, wide receiver Dane Key, a four-star kid out of Kentucky, athlete Rodney Hills. So I know Wisconsin football, you know, the, the talk of the recruiting in that 2022 class was the in-state guys, and rightfully so. There's a lot of talent in the state of Wisconsin, but there's going to be some other, you know, there's only probably a few guys in that 2022 class in-state they are going to end up being at Wisconsin. So you're going to have to fill out this class with others. And, and so far, Wisconsin is throwing out some offers that I think are, are interesting to pay attention to. Dane Key, I think especially, a uh, four-star wide receiver um, out of Kentucky. Got a lot of big offers from the likes of Oregon, Texas. So if Wisconsin could maybe work their way in there and, you know, and win a wide receiver recruit over some of those schools would be impressive, and, and maybe it's an uphill battle. But what do you make of Wisconsin's activity on this 2022 class so far? Yeah, I think it's needed. I, I figured wide receiver they were going to have to make some new offers. Elvis Witted hasn't, hasn't been afraid to, to put those out. I think Dane Key is going to be tough to get away from Kentucky. Uh, his dad played there. But I love, the, I love the offer to Rodney Hill. He's a kid who I think mm-hmm. – um, can do a lot of different things. He's been recruited as a defensive back some places, wide receiver some places. Um, he's got a very beatable offer list, already connecting with some of the 2022 guys that are in the Wisconsin class. Uh, Miles Burkett's been in talks with him, it, it looks like, on Twitter. You've got um, some of the uh, 2021 guys talking with him as well. But, but I, the guy, I think, I think the offer to Anthony Lucas is probably a little late, but, man, that's the type of guy that they need in in uh, the coming years. They you know they have Keanu Benton, who's I, I think a guy who's really just scratching the surface of what he can become. But Anthony Lucas, you know, six four, six five, two eighty. That's exactly what you want out of a high schooler coming in at that defense tackle, nose tackle position, where he can be a disruptor. He's another high four star kid, top player in the state of Arizona. Garrett Rand seemed to pan out well when they got him out of there. This kid's got a, a lot more uh, physical tools to work with than Rand did coming out of high school. I, I think it's going to be a tough pull, especially with the amount of offers he has out west to stay closer to home. But at the same time, it's you you got to shoot your shot and, and go after these guys because I think he is the type of player that we've seen um, really do well um, in the 3-4. I like to think of like Kenny Clark, what he does – for the Packers as, as and the inside. If they can get a guy like him that can be disruptive, I think that would go a long way. So I think Anthony Lucas, I would anticipate there's going to be more defensive tackle, nose tackle offers going out because they don't have uh, many out right now and more wide receiver offers coming out as well in the coming weeks. Yeah, Anthony Lucas is a guy that, uh, you know, physically for a high school kid, he's, he's got all the tools and like you mentioned, he's going to be a hard one to pry away. He's got a lot of big offers from, you know, UCLA, Arizona State, Auburn, some bigger schools that way. Some other schools are, are certainly in there and, and made some offers um, as well. Texas, Texas A&M, all of the, you know, the big boys in the Big Ten have kind of been around. So it's going to be a tough one uh, to win there. But, yeah, like you said, if you're looking at a, a prospect that you really circle and, and really would like to get, he'd be one as well. So it, it's nice to see Wisconsin active on that 2022 class. You know, there was some – 
um, questions about you know guys moving around in terms of positions and, and on the coaching staff, and, and you of course you had you know, Jim Leonard with the rumors. So now that that's all solid and, and ready to go, I think they'll really start to get active you know on that defensive side of the ball, and and hopefully they can pick up some of these big guys because again I know. We talk about the in-state talent a lot, that there's a lot of that, and, and they're going to certainly be after a lot of those guys and, and, and Joe Bruner and Carson Hinsman, some of the guys we've had on the show in the past. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's guys across the country that they're going to be interested in. So I, I know we've, we just kind of wrapped up the 2021 class, but now it's time to really start to look into some of these guys in the 2022 group because before you know it, they're going to be, you know, it's going to be signing day and they're going to be working their way onto campus. So it's time to really start getting excited about uh, what they can do on this recruiting front and hopefully put together another top class. You know, these last three years have been really solid. If you can do it four years in a row, you're putting yourself up um, for some serious success as you move forward. Yeah, for sure. Moving on down the line now, tight end Gabe Lloyd um, announced that he was going to enter the transfer portal. When you look at the situation, not really all that surprising. Coming into this year, we thought maybe you'd, you'd see a little bit more from him. Never really, you know, panned out the way I think he wanted it to at Wisconsin. You know, you had Jake Ferguson, um, Hayden Rucci kind of emerged as that tight end number two. Um, so, you know, when you're getting kind of passed up from, for, by younger players, you know, the transfer portal is a good option for you to maybe um, go and play somewhere else. So what did you make of, of that decision from Gabe Lloyd? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense given kind of his circumstance. Uh, he's going to be entering his sixth year, had that knee injury uh, that made him miss all of 2019, uh, got passed over by uh, a healthy Hayden Rucci, which I think makes a ton of sense. I think it, um, the Badgers were in a good spot. I think Rucci did a great job. So Lloyd, eight-man football kid from, from Green Bay who, who showed some promise early on, did a lot of things on special teams for the Badgers, but then I just think that injury completely derailed him. They could have really used him in 2019. I think if he didn't get hurt, he probably would have played a lot. We would have probably not seen uh, Cormac Sampson shift over to, to tight end because of that. He would have probably taken on a larger role. But, uh, you know, the rest is history. He, he got that injury last year. You know, was trying to get back into shape, working through it, but got passed on the depth chart. Uh, now using that COVID waiver, he's he's a really athletic kid um, who I think will have a shot playing somewhere. Uh, I don't know where, what level it'll be, where it'll be, but at the same time, uh, that's what the transfer portal is for: is to try to give you a chance to play somewhere else. Yeah, and you know, anytime these guys from Wisconsin enter the transfer portal, you always wish them the best of luck. I think he's a guy that. Of course, wanted to pan out more at Wisconsin, just didn't happen, and hopefully he can go and find his way um, at a different school and, and make an impact. You know, Wisconsin has, has done a good job of recruiting tight ends, so I know there's certainly athletic potential there, and hopefully he can uh, you know find a new home and, and land on his feet and, and put together a successful sixth year. Like you mentioned, he's battled through injuries, so you want to see a guy like that succeed wherever he ends up. So that transitions us nicely to the tight end room. We'll continue our Position previews and reviews. We'll we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. First time, first position on that side. You know, tight end is a is a nice one to start with. Um, of course, a big question coming into this off season after a a solid year from Jake Ferguson. Given the circumstances, you know, there was serious offensive struggles. He still had a pretty good year despite you know the the struggles not really being on him and in him. Um, you know, getting a lot of targets, but just the passing game, um, you know, really, you know, kind of being stagnant throughout the year. So he is back. How big is that for hopefully going into this normal year um, to have Jake Ferguson back is, is probably your top target and the guy that will probably lead the team in receptions come next season's end. 
it's monumental. I mean, you look at it. He, he had he had at least thirty receptions in all three of all three of his seasons. This past year had thirty receptions in only seven games. You you know you you know project that out versus you know playing thirteen games in 2018, 14 games in in twenty nineteen, and, and he was on pace for sixty receptions, over six hundred yards, uh, eight touchdowns. His best best year of his career and you know it was cut short just because of the pandemic the inability for the Badgers to to kind of get the the pandemic under control and, and missed out on some games but I think he's a guy that gives Graham Mertz a go-to target on underneath through the middle on those deep out routes that Wisconsin loves to run he he's sure-handed he's a guy that's going to be able to make some tough catches in the red zone gives you a really good threat with that, and he's really improved as a blocker. So I think looking at it, this was a huge boost for the Badgers because if they didn't have him, you were looking at probably Jack Eschenbach maybe as your your tight end number one after uh, having the most receptions out of anybody else in the room with two for 27 yards. So Wisconsin is um, you know should be counting their lucky stars that they got Jake Ferguson back because I, I do think he is the best weapon they have on offense outside of maybe uh, Jalen Berger, and he's a proven commodity that they can trust. And he's only going to get better going into this senior season. I would anticipate that he's closer to the what uh, those projected numbers would have been for 2020 if it would have um, gone, if not higher, because I do think that um, Graham Mertz will be in a better rhythm not getting sick uh, after two games in. Yeah, I think if you're looking at coming into next year, I think Jake Ferguson is probably your top offensive weapon and a guy that if he, if they just have a normal season and it can work with Graham and, and establish that connection this off season, I think you should expect a, a big year. You know, every year in, in, in Madison, he's been pretty consistent. So I think it'll be uh, and, and it's important get for him to get back. You mentioned him as a blocker. You know, Wisconsin sometimes has to go two, three tight ends deep because one tight end is maybe just a receiving threat, which early in Jake Ferguson's career, that's kind of what he was. He's molded into a little bit more of a, of a do-it-all tight end. So it, it's nice to have him back in the running game, in the receiving game. He's going to be a huge target for, for Graham Mertz. They seem to have a connection, like you mentioned, early before he got sick and, and kind of things kind of got derailed for this football season. So a return to normalcy, I think, will will benefit Graham Mertz and, and Jake Ferguson in that connection, and I think they'll both have big years. And I really think this benefits Jake Ferguson as well. You know, he had the opportunity to go to the NFL, given this weird year, and you know, he still had good numbers. But I think if he comes back and puts together a monster year, it could really uh, help his draft stock as a Wisconsin tight end and move up some boards that way. So I think it's a win-win for both sides, and I'm excited to see what Jake can do. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think he's he's primed for a big year. Um, you know, the rest of the room is, is I think, going to be interesting as well. Wisconsin's done some good things recruiting the tight end position, um, but they just we need to see a little bit more of them, let them groom, get ready for, for playing time, kind of like how Hayden Rucci has um, slowly gotten into working into the rotation. Which guys are you going to be specifically keeping your eye on uh, this spring and fall? Well, I think when you look at it, you know, Hayden Rucci is, is probably the top name just because he played a lot, and you like his game. He comes from, of course, a football family, you know, with uh, with his dad and Nolan now joining the team um, on the offensive side of the football. So you saw a little bit up from him. I think he's got all the talent, but you haven't necessarily seen it in the, the passing game quite yet. He was really mostly in there as a run blocker. Um, really physical kid, so not all that surprising, but 
you want to see a little bit more from him. And, of course, Jake Ferguson's going to get most of the tight end targets, but you'd like to see some sort of emergence. And maybe that's only in, you know, if you're if you're getting to spring practice and, and watching a little bit or, you know, in some of these early season games, maybe you're, you're opening up the playbook to throw it to a little bit more of the tight end position. So maybe you don't see a huge spike in terms of numbers and productions, but you want to at least see someone being molded into – that next you know, receiving threat at the tight end position because Jake Ferguson, after this year, is going to be off to the next level and it's going to be they're going to need some production because Wisconsin relies on that tight end room a lot. So after that, though, there's, there's like you said, a lot of names. You know, Clay Cundiff is a guy that big recruit out of high school, time to see what he's got a little bit more. Cam Large, big recruit out of high school, time to see what he's got. You know, the other name to maybe keep an eye on, you know, now that Gabe Lloyd is gone, is Jalen Franklin, who transitioned over to the tight end room. Very athletic kid, you know, on the defense side of the ball. They felt like they needed to move him over to give them some depth. So maybe he's a guy that now that he's got his feet wet at the tight end position comes in this year, you know, with a full spring and in uh, fall season and is able to really start to click at the tight end position. So there's a lot of names. There's a lot of talent in this room that, like you said, they've done a really good job of recruiting the tight end spot. It's just going to be a matter of of seeing a little bit more and, and some of these guys making their presence more known as they move into uh, this upcoming you know winter conditioning and, and spring and fall ball yeah I think it's important to note that you look at this tight end room the only players that are returning next year that have actually gone through a spring practice are at the tight end position uh, is going to be Ferguson himself and Jack Ashenbach mm-hmm. Jalen Franklin point. has been there for a spring camp but he was that outside linebacker Hayden Rucci Clay Cundiff those guys redshirted um, but they came in in the summer and jumped right into the season, and then COVID hit after the 2019 season. They never got to do spring practice in a in a in a normal sense. You look at it, Cam Large. I think he's got a, a lot of really nice things that he can do. He's a little shorter at six three, but he's huge. I mean, dude's built like a tank. Um, and I think Koldakovich is a guy that brings a lot of similar traits to what you see out of Jake Ferguson back basketball background, really good athlete. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do. But I think you're right. Jalen Franklin is the guy that Wisconsin struggled in a lot of ways in, in finding um, bona fide pass catchers that they can trust they can go out there. We heard Joe Rudolph talk at nauseum going into the season about how excited he was about Jalen Franklin being in the tight end room, how they made that switch because they think he can do some nice things. But now it's a matter of him learning the playbook hopefully he can be able to to do that, get the playbook down, because I think he could give them a nice H-back presence that they haven't had in a long time. You look back to how they had with what they had with Travis Beckham, and now I don't anticipate Jalen Franklin's going to be nearly as um, productive as Beckham. I mean, he was a high four-star kid who went on to play in the league for, for quite many years. But Jalen Franklin could give them some things at 6'4", 230, to, to help them out as a pass catcher. And I think you, you've you seen flashes from him. We've seen him get sacks at outside linebacker. We've seen him block punts this past year. He's a very good athlete who can run really well. It's now going to be a matter of him putting it all together because you can split him out. He's a ma- matchup nightmare out there. We saw what Kyle Pitts did for, for uh, Florida. And, you know, I don't think he has those same tools as some of those other guys. But he is a, still a really good athlete that I think could help them out 
if he knows the playbook, and that's what it comes down to. And, and then I think Hayden Rucci should have a nice offseason and should continue to be the blocking tight end. Maybe he can get involved with the passing game a little bit more next year too. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think this kind of just brings it back to the importance of a spring season. You, know, you mentioned that some of these guys, most of these guys, haven't gone through a spring season. I know it. it it's. I know sometimes people forget how important spring football can be. You know, you're not playing games; you're really just practicing and stuff like that. But you saw the impact that not having a spring season um, can do, and in kind of having a weird fall season as well. So. I think I think the the spring ball is really going to help some of these guys out as they transition, and I'm excited to see what some of them can do. You know, like you mentioned, Jalen Franklin. There's a reason they moved him there. Um, they felt like he could do some things. I'm excited to see if he can do that. And then and some of these younger guys, we're going to finally start to get to see some more glimpses of them. We've really only seen some from Hayden Rucci. If we can get some from that other group, I think it'll set the tight end room up nicely. Um, you know, post Jake Ferguson because he's not going to be around forever. He's going to be that uh, top target this year. But then after that, you're going to need some development from some other guys. So certainly an exciting room. There's depth there. There's talent there. It's time to just see it uh, on that tight end front. So, all right, guys, that wraps up another episode and week of the podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week to recap the uh, Wisconsin basketball contest on Sunday against Michigan. We'll talk another position um, you know, next week on the offensive side of the ball. So thank you guys for listening, and as always, on Wisconsin.